start with the human, start with the employee, start thinking about what do they want, what do they need. Global Perspectives on the Future of Workplaces, podcast brought to you by Agile Work. Episode 3, Dan Van Rossum. Hi, I'm Antti Pitkinen, co-founder at Until Up, recently the Insights and Strategy Director, now Chief Experience Officer at Agile Work. Today at the Global Perspectives on the Future Workplaces podcast, we have the pleasure to look into the future with Dan Von Rossum. Dan is the Chief Experience Officer at Dreamplex in Vietnam. Before he started Dreamplex, he worked in marketing strategy for around 15 years in Amsterdam, New York, Chicago, Singapore, and finally Ho Chi Minh City. Dreamplex is a workplace as a service provider with flexible office spaces in four locations across Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. Welcome, Dan. Great to have you. So great to be here. Thank you, Antti, for uh, for inviting me on. Uh, thank you for for joining. It's it's really great to have you. You're very active on LinkedIn, and you've been sharing a lot of a lot of really interesting really interesting insights about Vietnam and and the future of workplaces in general. So. So really looking forward to this discussion. Tell us a little bit about your time on LinkedIn. Sorry, what's that? I said, yes, I definitely spent too much time on LinkedIn. That's true. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Um, tell us a little bit about the work you do and, and how did you end up in Vietnam and working at Dreamplex? Yeah, sure. So, so as you already said, uh, I uh, I used to work in marketing strategy, and I I moved with my with my company from uh, from Europe to the States, eventually to Asia, and I landed in uh, in Vietnam. Um, and after they moved me to Vietnam, I said, "Thank you for moving me here, and I would like to uh, quit my job." Um, I originally started my own company, which is really focused on helping young Vietnamese um, to kind of find their passion in life and pursue it, to kind of like build their life towards it. Um, and then eventually I kind of realized that a lot of the sort of self-discovery that we were talking with them and, you know, a lot of this sort of like finding your happiness really comes through true work or the thing that you do every single day. Um, and so that's when I met the Dreamplex team. We started talking about, oh, maybe this could actually be kind of like a content layer within sort of the the workplace uh, because they were really trying to figure out, um, you know, what could we what could we do more? Um, and so those talks resulted eventually into me joining full time. Um, and taking on the the experience role. Um, and so basically what I'm doing now is to kind of really think about what is it to come to work um, and how could that be something that people actually enjoy doing rather than endure, uh, something that their boss tells them to do. Um, and so in that, I work with a team that is both on the design side um, and then I have a team who is doing really the operational side. And so they kind of like go hand in hand in terms of developing the product and then delivering it and then learning from what works and what doesn't and con- constantly iterating um, the product from there. Mm. You've also um, been speaking quite a lot about this kind of cross-generational leadership and how to lead generations Z and so forth. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so that's a good question. So that actually came from the, the the understanding that if you don't know who your customer is or your user is, it's really hard to create a great product. So again, if we're thinking about the fact that we want to redesign what work is like, what coming to work is like, then we need to really understand who it is. And so I think in our spaces, it's usually people between 22 and 30 
Um, so it's a very young workforce. And for those people to create something that would be really compelling to them, we wanted to just understand so much more um, than what we knew, I think, when I, when I first joined. And so we've done a lot of research into, you know, who is this new generation and what do they want, not just from work, but generally from life. And then how can we create a really compelling experience that they, that it, that they enjoy uh, being a part of? Um, and so, for example, last year, we did like a really big panel study uh, with a research agency really diving into the Gen Z uh, specifically, um, but what they want from work, what they want from life, what are all the things that would make you know, that a meaningful experience for them. And so we've used a lot of those insights uh, to optimize sort of the total experience that we deliver uh, on a daily basis in our locations. And what kind of elements constitute that experience that you're providing? Yeah, so that's the uh, sort of the million dollar question, right? Like, what is it really that 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 is work? Um, and what is what is it to, to be in an office? And so, you know, we already knew from running offices for more than five years that, first of all, it's a lot. It's a lot of different elements. I think usually people, when they start a company and they have to create their first uh, office, they don't really realize like how much work goes into it to, ju to just run an office, to just make it run. Um, and beyond it just functioning, how do you actually make it something that people like uh, being a part of, that people like coming to? And so we've sort of seen that there's a couple of different layers. So the first layer really is the physical environment. So when people come to an office, what does that office look like? Is it designed with the user in mind? Is it designed with the employee in mind in terms of not just kind of like what it looks like and what it feels like, but also what kind of uh, spaces are there? Um, does it support people in different tasks, in different moods, um, in different wants and needs from the office? So that's really sort of the first and the core layer. I think the second layer, especially now, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a bit more, is the hospitality layer. So how do you not only make it a, a great place and a very functional place, but also make it a very warm and inviting place and I think a lot of that really has to do with the human factor. So who is that person that greets you in the morning? Who is that person that makes you feel like you're coming back somewhere that, again, you, you like coming back there? Um, and then the third layer is basically the engagement layer. And so that's really what we've been building over the last year, thinking about like what are all the things that can happen within a space, within an office, that, again, would make it, be, would, would make it very exciting uh, to come there, to be there. Um, so I think those three layers combined, I think, really do the bulk of, um, you know, the, the heavy lifting of what is it like to come to an office and is that either a really great experience or not. And then the fourth layer, but it's really sort of something that carries through all the different layers is really the technology layer. So what can we do in terms of technology, uh, platform, software, data to, you know, further personalize that work experience to make it really something that you feel like it's not only a great work experience in general, but it's a great work experience for me. Um, and so that's really where sort of the tech and data comes in. How novel is this approach if you consider the, the uh, market in, in Vietnam? I think it's being done in, in sort of in pockets. I think, you know, there are people who obviously put a lot of emphasis on designing a great office. Um, I think there are companies who are really good at, you know, building a great culture, great employee experience, and usually that gets done through the engagement. So there's a lot of things happening in the workplace. There are, you know, uh, opportunities for team members to learn new things, to connect with people, um, maybe to be creative, um, to maybe also support their well-being. So that definitely happens in certain companies. 
Um, I think there is a little bit more of an emphasis now on sort of that hospitality layer. So on making people feel like they, they belong in the workplace, that they have a place that they, you know, enjoy going to. So I think it all happens in pockets, but I don't think someone has really put it together. Um, and definitely it has never been put together as a service, right? So, so really what we're focused on is how do you package all those elements and deliver that as a service so that a company doesn't have to, you know, take care of it themselves anymore. Um, and that's definitely something that, that hasn't been done here, uh, here before. Um, not that any of this is novel or that like we're so smart. It's just that sort of, you know, our passion for turning work from something that people have to endure to something that people enjoy drives sort of our, you know, putting it together and then offering it as a service. Um, but it's definitely not unique in that sense. Um, it just took someone to sort of like bundle it together. And I'm sure we will see much more of it now um, that people start to sort of realize that, it, that this works. But I understand it's, it's, it's companies that are, it's not individuals or small startups only. It's also um, companies that are being attracted to this concept. What kind of, what can you tell mm -hmm. us about your, your, your customers or your the users of the space? Yeah, so 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 that's a good question. So that that's kind of like our that's been our evolution. So we started in <clears throat> in 2015 uh, as a co-working space. Uh, this is actually the first commercial co-working space in Vietnam, and um, we got quite famous very luckily because there was a trade mission from the U.S. to Vietnam, and, and President Barack Obama visited Vietnam, and he wanted to meet all the young startups, and so he ended up sort of. Uh, asking around i'm sure it was his team like asking around like oh where should i go if i want to meet all these like young people the cool startups and so they told them like oh there's this like co-working space now it's very novel um and so that was dreamplex and uh, and that was kind of like really our start um to support startups smaller companies you know maybe one two three four five people to support them in having that first place to start to work and not have to do it from a coffee shop or from someone's basement or something like that and then eventually, I think because we were running workplaces for so many startups, for so many companies, we kind of realized that, hey, we're starting to really learn, again, what it takes to deliver a great workplace experience. And now we can probably do that for, for larger companies. Um, and that's also where we really find sort of the, uh, the product market fit, the overlap between what we really like to create and what we offer and where the need is, I think, for startups generally and you were just talking about how you are building out your team and the size of it now usually when you have a team under let's say 20 30 people the founder is still pretty central to that whole kind of team um, you're still kind of coming in every day and the founder is very fundamental in what makes you excited to work for that company um, you're getting directly sort of that passion and that excitement but when you start scaling beyond 30 people, 40 people, 50 people, you know, you start getting in middle management, you start getting in a bit more distribution in terms of like, how do people work with each other? And that's really where the emphasis or the importance of strategic HR, of employee experience comes in. And so that's kind of like really where we position ourselves that when companies get a little bit too big for one person to just completely take care of all those employees and make them feel excited to come to work and not want to quit their job, um, up until, you know, companies who are maybe at like 200, 250 people where they would have the resources to basically bring in their own workplace uh, people or their own strategic HR function that can take care of it internally. So we really play sort of between that, you know, 40, 50 to 200 people. 
um, where companies, you know, need that support in, you know, in realizing really that, hey, this is a lot of work. If I want to do this well, if I want to create this like environment that people come in and, and thrive, um, yeah, I, I may need someone who's done this before. And that's really where we come in. Mm. Well, really interesting. Well, we obviously living with some very strange times to say the least or some very unprecedented things are happening uh, during the last year or so but how has this uh, affected the the commercial real estate or the co-working uh, market and and generally the workplace market in in Vietnam what do you mean strange times i don't remember anything weird happening in the last year <laughs> what, what what would it have been i don't know there's, there's been some very silent signals that we've been catching up right Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good question. It, it obviously has changed a lot. And, and I was just talking to someone this morning that we sort of seen like the, the good and the bad, right? So the first, when it first happened, and you know, we border China on, on the north. So we we literally have locations like, you know, maybe an hour drive away from China. So we were very early in receiving the gift of COVID. And I think that, you know, the first few months of having to take care of people, having to pro provide safe work experiences, making sure that, well, first of all, like no one would get sick, but also like having all the playbooks ready that if something were to happen, that we were ready to act and what should who, who do. And, you know, then working with the government in terms of like, what are they looking for? Um, all the way up to really the only moment that we had a lockdown was for two weeks during uh, April last year. Um, so we were closed for about two weeks. Actually, we remained open but the government sort of recommended people to stay inside. And usually in Vietnam, when the government recommends something, it happens. Mm -hmm. So people stayed inside for about two weeks. Our volume definitely dropped in the office. Um, but from there on out, people started coming back. And I do think that from that moment on, you know, just those two weeks, I think really were enough for companies to realize that actually it's not that bad when people work from home. And I always refer to this study that like a, an HR company in Vietnam here did before COVID, like right before COVID. And, you know, flexibility in hours of work and flexibility in place of work was number one on the wish list of Vietnamese employees. And the reason it was number one on the wish list is that it was a wish list, right? It would never happen because companies were not at all comfortable to let people work from home. Um, again, just for context, like most companies here still require you to, you know, do a fingerprint scanner in in the morning and a fingerprint scanner out at night. They will check your physical um, sort of uh, presence in the office. And so there was not at all that sense of like, oh, yeah, let's have people work from wherever they want. But I think just those two weeks were enough for companies to realize that like, hey, actually, this can work. Mm -hmm. When people were at home, they didn't just drop all their work. They didn't stop performing. They didn't stop being productive. So if that's possible, then maybe we should rethink a little bit our overall workplace strategy in terms of, do we really need like one desk for one person? Do we really need everyone to come in every single day? Uh, is it really all that bad when someone works from home or from a coffee shop or something like that? So I do think that all those happenings around COVID have had a positive impact in the conversation around what should work be and what should offices be uh, here in this market. And I've seen that in, in a broader context in Asia as well. Um, obviously in China, that's been very much the case, right? Where companies really have seen uh, in a slightly more extended lockdown that it's not all that bad to let people work from home and have adopted more kind of like agile and hybrid approaches. Um, and definitely in markets where the lockdowns were longer, 
Um, I think there's a lot more flexibility now because people had the time, for example, in Singapore to set up a super professional home office, right? So definitely there's now that sort of appetite for, yeah, let's continue this, right? Let's not work from home for the rest of our lives, mm -hmm. but at least let's find sort of like a happy medium between the two. Mm -hmm. how, how ready was the kind of general infrastructure uh, to support that work from home? Um, and, 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 and also the personal infrastructure on people, like did, did people have a place to work at home? Could they actually work from home? Were there connections there for, um, mm. to have good internet connections and so forth? How do you see that? Yeah, right. So when we're talking about home offices, this is really the point where a lot of these sort of when I see the international thought leadership, when I see all the references around what the office of the future is like, there's a lot of talk about people working from home. But that was one of the things that really came out of uh, sort of this period here is that for most people, there is actually no real work from home situation, um, not only because, the, yeah, the Wi-Fi is like pretty bad. So people actually end up maybe going to a coffee shop to work from there. Um, so but not only is the Wi-Fi bad, usually uh, traditional, more traditional homes are typically not air conditioned. Um, so you're, you're, you're sitting there not really being able to focus. They're usually multi-generational homes. So you would be sitting there with maybe you know, your kids and your parents walking around, running around. So that idea of working from home for a lot of people is definitely not realistic just from that perspective. Um, so that's obviously where we start talking about, okay, if it's not work from home all the time, you know, is it maybe work near home? Uh, is there maybe something else that, you know, could be in place of five days commuting to the HQ, which again, in, in Vietnam, you know, if you go from one neighborhood to another, that could be like 45 minutes on a motorbike, um, which is how people transport themselves here, you know, in dirty, polluting traffic. So just having, not having that, that's obviously like a huge benefit. And that's part of what came out of our research too. So I think on the employee side, like, no, there's not really like a great foundation for for proper work from home, but there's there's ways that we can solve that. I think for companies, I think it really depended. There were some companies that were pretty much ready for it because they were already working on the cloud. They already had a lot of the infrastructure ready, but there were also many, many, many companies who you know, have such a reliance on paperwork and on, on having people log into a physical desktop computer um, that it was not a, a reality at all. And so there was one example of like a really large e-commerce company here who sort of overnight had to not only sort of fully get everyone, including a slightly older part of the population onto the cloud way of working, but they also had to um, sort of organize the whole kind of like, how do you assign work? So again, I think the technology kind of is there. It's really the cultural side that was, I think the biggest sort of barrier where so many companies, I would say 99% of companies are not working in uh, an OKR kind model. They don't know what they're asking for from their teams other than the people coming in in the morning and after they're clocking in, their manager tells them what to do and then looks over their shoulder whether or not that work gets done. So I think that has really been the biggest shift that like, hey, we probably have to solve this somehow. No, really interesting. I think this, uh, well, to share some insights. How about, is that there? Yeah, no, mm. it's um, in, in Finland, well, Social distancing for to start with has been really easy for us because I think mm. the first people to move to Finland in around 120,000 years ago already had some social distancing in mind <laughs> when they moved here. So we've been practicing this for a long right. time. Um, but also uh, 
obviously we are, they often say about Finland, we're not a country, we're a country club. So there's a lot of trust in between people. Um, mm, uh, mm. And and also we we are quite high on the digitalization kind of track overall. Mm. And and so it has been quite relatively easy and particularly with knowledge work to obviously yeah. there are many sectors that, that uh, haven't been able to make that transition that mm. easily. Um, But we actually, uh, us as a company, we started on this path maybe two or three years ago when we decided that we'll start moving all those workplace transformation processes and and tools and start looking for digital alternatives to old paper layouts and so forth and going to see how how we can use immersive technologies and and platforms Mm -hmm. in in co-creating workplaces. So we see the kind of positive effects. and and, and also particularly our client base, which is mostly technology companies that do development work, work in multidisciplinary teams, work with products, work with software. I think what has been really positive about this is that it has taken away a lot of the status quo uh, that they base themselves on. So they said that mm. R&D can't be done remotely. Well, now they've been doing it for a year. So it kind of makes our work quite a lot easier in many ways. But yeah, no, re- really interesting. And 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 um, how do you see that? How has it affected how Dreamplex uh, operates? Has, uh, has it created new services for you? Has it? Uh, uh, you you spoke about technologies before that you use and and data. How you tell us a little bit more how how the last year what what has happened within the work that you do? Yeah, so I think that before probably quite similar to what you were just talking about where you know you were already in that space and you were already maybe even internally making that transformation in the same way that we were already thinking about you know what would it look like if office is a service right it's just basically in the same way that you have a spotify subscription you have an office subscription or a workplace subscription so we were already thinking about it we were already formulating the product but again it just been um not only really just accelerated but i think just completely opened up um, the market in terms of companies just being way more, uh, you know, interested in sort of that kind of solution. So I don't think we've necessarily created new services, but it has sort of really maybe just justified what we were already doing and sort of underscored that that is the way to go. I think one of the main things that um, I would say two things really have happened. The first one is that we are scaling up much quicker than otherwise we would have done, um, which really comes from the the fact that there is a demand for this kind of service uh, which means also that like there is less demand for traditional office space and that has led to landlords sort of looking at their buildings and saying i'm not going to be able to rent this out under a traditional lease i know that like flexible office solutions you know are probably the way to go but i wouldn't know how to operate it so the landlords then come to us um, and then we basically provide that service for them so the scaling of it, I think both from the market demands, but then also how the market demand has led to landlords now looking for those kind of solutions. Um, that's really been one big part. So if everything goes according to plan and, and, and I don't sleep too much, then we should be able to this year grow from about 1,200 workspaces, so desks, mm-hmm. to about 4,800. So about growing in size about three times this year. Um, so I think that's one thing, just kind of like the scaling of it. And I think the other thing that really has changed a lot is is kind of like the the need for us to not only scale in how how many seats we have but also the geographical distribution 
So we've been very strategic about thinking into, you know, where do we place these different offices? Because I do really believe that that network that you can then offer to a, a company who has employees all over the city, and this is a city of, you know, us coming from small countries, right? I'm from Holland. Uh, our biggest city is Amsterdam, has 800,000 people. You know, that's basically like the building I live in here. So, you know, we have about 13 million people in the city. So that is, you know, like 80% of my country, basically. So, you know, for companies to be able to offer like truly kind of like work from anywhere kind of scenarios, that distribution becomes much more important. So that's another thing that we really have changed um, as one of our strategic drivers for like this and next year. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You mentioned the 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 work desks and and uh, and scaling that up. Do you think workplaces will still be measured by the amount of work desks that they they provide, or will there be some other kind of spatial metrics that we use to understand the service and the kind of what do they offer in the in the future? Yeah, I I would say that we already kind of moved away from. You know, and this is also just kind of like the language that has to transition into the new world that we're talking about. We already moved away quite a while ago from saying like, hey, a company comes in and they say, I need an office. And we would ask them, okay, how many desks do you need, right? And then we would sort of tell them, okay, you need 20 desks, here's a 20 desk office. We already moved away from that and started talking more about, you know, what are generally your work, your workplace needs, right? And is that a combination of a couple of people who come in every single day? Um, a couple of people who are um, working from home sometimes and working from the office other times. And then maybe a group of people like, for example, a sales team who are really traveling all over the city uh, and maybe sometimes also between the, the two major cities in, in Vietnam and therefore need a place to work either in between meetings or uh, they want to invite their customers to an office or a meeting room near where they are. Um, and so we've already kind of like transitioned into, into that kind of thinking and, and, and that way of discussing with potential customers about what we offer. So I do really think that at the end of the day, we, we have to put together a package and that package will be very different for every single company. Um, and then it's really about the membership, right? So I think at the end of the day, you know, like we were just talking about like a Spotify um, or a Netflix, right? It's really the access to And that can be by hour, that can be by day, that can be by month, that can be a combination of things. So the way I see it, you know, maybe if I look forward about one year and the reason why we're investing so much in the technology behind it is that a company would just buy maybe a fixed space, which would be their core kind of HQ, the core place that people come to, they can fully brand that, that really is their own office. And above and beyond that, they would just buy credits mm -hmm. and their employees then would just have a certain allowance for using those credits. And again, that could be, you know, sometimes working for one day, they just want to have a focus space near home. Maybe sometimes there's a group of team members that want to come together to collaborate and they want to do it in a very specific environment. And maybe sometimes it's just a two hour uh, small meeting room that they want to rent to uh, have a customer over or to, to bring a guest in or something like that. So very much kind of like a subscription kind of model. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting what you spoke about the access kind of approach to workplace allocation to sort of certain extent, because um, a lot of the discussions that we're having with heads of workplace or heads of facility and also um, 
commercial real estate providers. I think the dis- discourse that we we're seeing is that we're moving away from an idea of euros per square meter uh, investment plan into euros per employee. And this is perhaps what you're talking about there as well, right. is that it will dramatically change the way companies invest uh, in people. So um, well, a lot of the work that we're doing as well is trying to understand what are, what are the KPIs of the future to, to mm-hmm. kind of understand how companies should be investing as well. Uh, and, and to what degree in, in, in your market do you see that as something that people talk about? Because I always think that like talking about it and philosophizing about what work should be is easy, especially for people like us. Mm-hmm. And to what degree do you actually see companies sort of like voting with their feet or voting with their euros in terms of actually doing this? Um, I think with a lot of the companies, they are kind of waking up. So they there's been a... Mm because it's been working quite well for the companies with the, uh, what we're doing at the moment. So trying to adapt to the COVID situation, their work, envi- work environments are ep- empty and so forth. And they've been a li- little bit reluctant before they, uh, they've they had a clear understanding how long this will last. So now we're mm-hmm. seeing some some light at the end of the tunnel, the vaccines are rolling out and, and probably by the summer, we will have 70% of people vaccinated and whatever. But but I think they're waking up, and a lot of the work that we're doing is actually um, future scenario planning with companies at the moment. So trying to understand what are the plausible, what are the best possible, what are the worst case scenarios that might come out of that, and really trying mm. to understand what do we want to make out of all of this. Um, and mm. I think that discussion is really really interesting. Um, but through through these kind of discussions, what we're seeing is that. Um, both the kind of institutional investment investors in in commercial and corporate real estate, um, they are waking up to this. So it's it's mm. definitely opening big investors, uh, big promoters, big developers. They are actually opening up their own uh, flexible workspaces, um, very much on on the idea of having this kind of full service package for companies. But also uh, companies are starting to diversify a little bit there. Their, their workplace strategies in, in to a much more distributed kind of uh, solutions mm. but I think it's it's kind of bubbling under and 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 then there's a there's a lot of experts in the field uh, talking about it uh, suddenly it will be and, and, uh, and some some kind of thought leaders within the industry that that are talking about it and I, I think it's kind of we are starting to get an agreement on what might be the the possible different future outcomes of, of this. Um, but I think something that that you spoke about was also about having better understanding about employees, having better understanding about uh, employee needs, uh, a better understanding of different profiles of, of 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 users. But what do you what do you see the the kind of new talents that we that developing this kind of flexible workplaces actually require? What are the new new talents and skills of the of the future? Yeah, so th- that's really the interesting thing, right? So our our CEO actually comes from an HR background, and I think like he went into this from that perspective of like at the end of the day, um, and he was in recruiting. At the end of the day, we really know that the main pain point that we can solve for a company who is our customer, right? I always say we're a B two B two E company, right? So we create something for E, the employee, but we sell to B, we sell to the company. And that company usually has a couple of main pain points, especially in that sort of 50 to 200 employee um, sort of spectrum. 
Um, and, and some of those things are, are marketing and growth and funding and scaling. But probably one of their biggest pain points uh, is how do I attract, how do I engage, and how do I retain the best talent in the market? Mm -hmm. And if we can somehow help them solve that problem, that's gold, mm -hmm. right? If we can help them minimize or solve the problem of not being able to attract great people and also like reducing the churn or, or letting people work there longer, that is really something where you're providing true value way beyond just the physical space. And so that's why I think from the beginning, his philosophy was very much, you know, we need to look at this from an employee experience perspective. We need to look at this from an HR perspective. And that's why I think, especially with larger companies, the discussions that we have, you know, it's not with someone from finance, it's not the owner, it's usually a chief people officer or, you know, a really great HR person, um, someone who has the sensibilities of, look, the, the problem we're trying to solve here really is the problem of human capital, mm. right? And so that's also why, you know, when we're developing our product and sort of what we're, what we're building and delivering every day is really focused on, you know, what would make this a great place for your team to come and that it really becomes a competitive advantage for you as a company to be based here rather than in any other kind of office, especially if you compare it to running your own office, mm -hmm. right? Because that is that is really sort of what, what we're fighting against. That's really our, our main competition. So in terms of the talent that's that's needed, did you mean that from like on our side or in the marketplace generally? I think both, uh, because I think there's a, well, both the kind of, um, the HR practices, the uh, real estate, uh, the technologies, they're all in turmoil. So uh, what we need to kind of understand is how do we actually understand the, uh, I think uh, I think you quoted as well, Anthony, and Anthony has quoted you, and, and we all speak about the same kind of topics on, on the course that we took. Um, but it's mm -hmm. that people do not want a great workplace. They want a productive workforce. And and I think mm -hmm. it, it, it really is about how does workplaces actually affect uh, better productivity within the uh, within the organization, better employee happiness, and all, all these these kind of matters. So on the on the on the client side, we we see that there's new kind of skill sets needed in the future. Also, I think mm -hmm. um, I think what you what you kind of picked up on there as well was this uh, move. Perhaps what we're seeing here as well is that moving from that workplaces are under facility management, perhaps more of a HR practice or a tool within the HR uh, uh, setup. So I think that's really interesting. But um, perhaps the other part of the question is what kind of develops, uh, what kind of skills are you developing or um, kind of new roles and new talents that you're having to, to pick up at uh, Dreamplex in order to support that, this, this transformation? Yeah, so the main thing, and this is, I think, what Anthony uh, says a lot, right, which is that we have to function more like a start startup, we have to think more like a startup, we have to act more like a startup. Now, the lucky thing for us, he, he probably says it in the context of talking to a lot of big real estate companies and, you know, brokerages and all that stuff. Lucky, lucky for us, we are a startup, so we already have kind of that mentality. But what we need in terms of the talent, and I think that's, that's especially here in this market, quite hard to find, is people-centric people, -centric people. Mm. so people who care enough about people to be intrigued enough by people to be able to create something for people. Um, and so I think that's a lot of sort of what you would typically find in like a UX um, department, mm. people who know how to study people, who how to 
find out things about people, to get to the deeper human insight about what is it that you want from work? What is it that you want from life? And therefore, then how can we create that? So I think that sort of UX mentality and the deep sort of like human research components of, of, of developing this is really, really important. And so that's really what we're looking for, even if we're bringing someone in who may be, you know, an event planner, because we run a lot of events and activities, we need those event skills, like we need those sort of like the actual like sort of hard skills, but we need a lot of empathy, we need a lot of curiosity, we need a lot of the things that, you know, similar to what Anthony always says that, you know, AI at some point is going to be able to replace a lot of what we do. And so really, whereas our value is in that sort of the understanding of what people want. Um, and so, yeah, that's really what we uh, what we search for. Um, I remember really early on when I was sort of just, again, I, 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 I'm not from this industry, right? So I'm kind of coming into it from that sort of, you know, like a strategic planning UX perspective. And I remember really early on stumbling upon a video from uh, Denny Meyer, who is like a really famous hospitality guy in the U.S., and he said the people who do really well in hospitality, they have something that I call HQ, mm -hmm. not IQ, not EQ, but mm -hmm. HQ, hospitality quotient. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's just a certain kind of people, the kind of people who actually get energy from running around an entire night serving people, because the couple of smiles you get back more than makes up for the feet that hurt at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And he says that like anyone who wants to work for me, I test them on that because I know that if they don't have that, if it's if caring for people, if truly wanting to do something for people is not in your DNA, you will not make it past the first month. And I think that's very true in our industry. Like if you want to be that community manager, if you want to be that person that 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 gives that sense of belonging to people coming into the office every single day, even if you're a bit more behind the scenes, you cannot do that without having a true passion for caring for people. Um, for wanting to understand people and then developing something that will that will serve them. So yeah, that that human component is just super important. No, it's really really interesting, and I think the the hospitality uh, approach has definitely been rising up uh, both in the on the corporate side and and the commercial co-working co-working uh, side as a as a big thing. Of course, here because because again, I think that like you know the. It, it, like people are saying, you know, oh, hospitality is now so important, and it just—it's—it's it's almost like weird that that wasn't a thing mm -hmm. because you know you are, you know, as an employer, you want people to come to the office at least part of the time, right? Or you want people to collaborate online, right? Wherever it is, but who is that sort of like person that creates that energy for you to feel excited to, you know, come back to show up every single day, and that is pure hospitality that is purely the idea of do i know this person can i anticipate their needs can i be there for them before they need it and can i give them the feeling of like no matter what happens i'm here for you um and so hospitality is so core to any physical space um that yeah it, it's it's almost like weird to think about the fact that it wasn't part of the conversation when we're talking mm -hmm. about offices mm -hmm. I had yesterday the pleasure to li listen a little intro on what's coming up next. And you mentioned the uh, Dreamplex Unoffice uh, initiative. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? It sound, sounded really intriguing. Yeah, so this is basically our sort of, you know, to put a label on what, like everything we've just been discussing, which is that, you know, if people don't have to go to an office anymore, if it has to become something that people want to go to, 
you probably have to create pretty much the opposite of what a traditional office was. So when we ask people, you know, like describe your office, when we do that kind of research, when we're asking people to share keywords about a typical office, they would say, oh, you know, it's kind of like dull. It's kind of boring, like not very inspiring. It's work. It's, you know, all these things that when you're thinking about creating the best place to come to and be super engaged and be really creative and productive and collaborative, right? Those are not the things you want to hear about your office. So we're like, we probably have to create the exact opposite of what a normal office is. And so we call it the on office and on office is actually short for the unpredictable office. Mm -hmm. The idea that like every single day you come into that space, there's something new. And so this is really based on, again, our research into millennials, especially into Gen Z, you know, people who have grown up with social networks, whose entertainment isn't even watching like an hour of TV, but is watching like uh, entertainment in increments of seven seconds who, when they want to order some food within 15 minutes, their favorite dish in front of them through one of the delivery apps, who, if they want to go somewhere, they don't even have to type in an address anymore, just gets done immediately. So if you have that sort of context of always entertained, always changing, that total sense of immediacy, the office cannot be this static, boring thing that is the same every single day. Um, because why would you then want to come back there, right? Why would you go and work for that company and stay there? And so that's our idea of we need to create the opposite, which is the on the on office. Hmm. No, definitely a future to look forward to. Yeah, very near future. That's why I was saying we will not sleep much this year. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that Ultimate City is quite a vibrant, vibrant, vibrant place to be. Definitely. Have Not you visited much. here? Have I haven't. Here? I've, I've, I lived in Thailand for some time, but uh, I haven't been to Vietnam. Wow. Yeah. What was it like to live in Thailand? Well, did you, you, didn't, you didn't sleep much. Uh, it was back in my studies, so you wouldn't sleep okay. anyway. But, uh, <laughs> Thailand was good. Particularly. Message received. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, to, to summarize a, a little bit, what would be your top tips uh, for companies to, to do now when looking into the future? Um, something to, to share with our, our, our audience here in, in, in Europe and, and, and in Finland. When, when so the number one, yeah. yeah. So, so the number one thing that I really would say is to start with the human, start with the employee, start thinking about what do they want, what do they need, start to create some hypothesis around, you know, therefore, what should the workplace experience be like? And again, that's not just the physical office. That's also what happens in the office. That's also how people collaborate online, how they communicate online. And so, if you're starting with the employee. You're putting them at the core. You're asking them for their opinions, for you know their preferences. Then you can very easily get to a place of like, okay, what should it be? So starting with the human is really number one. And then, like you said, just completely let go of the status quo, right? We needed COVID to sort of wake us up and to have these ideas shattered of collaboration cannot be done online. R&D cannot be done, you know, through the internet. Mm -hmm. That sort of had to happen. But now that we've sort of acknowledged that, let's not slip back into, let's go back to the things, like the way things were. Let's actually embrace that and use all those human insights and, and, and our understanding of what our employees really want and completely rethink 
when should they be in an office? Where should that office be? What should that office look like? And can we place that nearer to where they are? Could it be a network of spaces? And then what happens in between? How do they stay connected? How do they collaborate when they're not there? How do teams work together? Um, that really would be, you know, my sort of one plus one mm -hmm. top tip. No, great, great advice there on your side. Oh. I think we we've had a really really interesting discussions um, during the last last half an hour forty five minutes or so and uh, um, and I think what we where we started from was this kind of um, how to create better workday experiences and and how to actually um, also understand better the user needs and and this generation Z um, approach to creating better workplaces and I think the requirements are changing in many ways. Um, and it's been really interesting to hear as well what 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 you've been telling about how Dreamplex operates, and I think there'll be a lot of valuable insights as well to our co-working operators here in Finland to get a kind of fresh approach on on things. There are, I bet there are many many differences about the market and the and the people that and you know, culture-wise definitely, uh, but but many many interesting ideas there, and definitely the hospitality thing. Yeah, I think especially for co-working spaces and for other flex office operators, I think the the sort of the where we're coming from is that we were renting out desks and chairs with Wi-Fi and free coffee. And I think letting go that sort of idea of what is the business will be a really great first step to providing true value. So we've seen a lot in, you know, we're part of Juicy, we're part of the Global Workspace Association. We've seen a lot of conversations of co-working owners, very scared, very worried about, you know, what do I do when people don't come back, right? And it's because there isn't any inherent value for the service that you offer beyond that desk. And the moment that people don't need that desk anymore, your value is kind of gone. And so in the same way that, you know, we are looking at the employee and designing workplace experience around them, you know, I think for a flexible office operator or a co-working space, they really have to look at their customer, which typically is a company. And what is that company's pain point and how can we help solve that? And, you know, going into that really total workplace experience side, which is not just the place that you work, no matter how well designed it is or no matter how good the coffee and the music is, right? But delivering true value by, for example, um, delivering training and development to young employees, getting groups of people together and letting them do something creative, doing a workshop, maybe having a social night every now and then. Then you really get into what delivers true value to your actual customers, which are these, these companies. I think the traditional, especially in co-working sense has always been that like, hey, if we do a party every now and then or a happy hour every now and then, we will be fine. And the truth is that, you know, you always like end up begging people to come because most people aren't the extroverted, let me hang out at the beer tap and pass around business cards kind of person. Right. Most people have very different wants and needs. And again, you can design an entire experience around that that then actually helps be helps the actual member, the person who is sitting in that space, be much more engaged. But it also solves a real problem for that company. And then why would that company ever leave your space? Why would they ever go to another location or in our case, our main competition, open up their own office if they see how how good they have it? Mm -hmm. So I think that would be on that side, my, my tip as well. Mm -hmm. No, great, great advice. Well, we coming coming to the end. I, I wish we could we, we could continue, um, but um, I think a lot of a lot of interesting insights, and look forward to to 
hopefully it's one day meet you in person as well in uh, in the same location but for the time time being the digital version is was was very pleasant um thank you so much for joining us for the global perspectives on the future of workplaces uh dan um from dream dreamplex and i thank you so much uh, for your for time and effort we'll be uh hopefully being able to share as well you have a lot of insights uh about um, the uh, market in Vietnam and a lot of great reports that we hope to share as well through through our channels and and I think there's interesting comparison to the to the Finnish market in particular so look forward to sharing all of all of that material in the in the future great thank you very much for uh, inviting me on and uh, for uh, the the opportunity to speak um, it was also very interesting to hear from uh, from your side and definitely we are ready to welcome you um, whenever international travel opens up again, whenever it's safe. Um, you can relive a little bit of your, your, your Thailand days here in, uh, in, in Vietnam with us. That would be great. Look forward to it. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you.